swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Join me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is the voice of the Tacoma Rainiers and an absolute must-follow on Twitter, at Curto World. He's Mike Curto, voice of the Tacoma Rainiers. Mike, really appreciate you joining me. How's it going today? It's going good. We have a rare uh, off day. Actually, they're not as rare as they used to be, but uh, off day in the PCL to start a road trip uh, in Salt Lake City tomorrow. Yeah, it's been a crazy season in Tacoma with so many players coming up to Seattle, getting sent down. I mean, just covering this team like you do, how how crazy is it with the amount of, of roster maneuvers we see these days uh, where guys are only in Tacoma maybe for a couple weeks at a time, a couple days at a time? Uh, just how is it watching this team with so many guys coming and going? Yeah, that's uh, it's, uh, an interesting part of AAA baseball that's really changed a lot in the last uh, three or four years, at least as far as Tacoma is concerned. Because um, Jerry DePoto loves to play the waiver wire game. He loves claiming guys off waivers that other teams have let go or designated for assignment just to take a look at them and see if uh, maybe there's something there. So uh, there's constantly churn at the bottom of the uh, Mariners 40-man roster. And you don't really see it in the major leagues. You see it in AAA that we constantly have players coming and going as a result of that. So uh, you just kind of have to be on your toes and know that uh, a new player could be arriving uh, pretty much any day during the season, especially more so before the trade deadline. Things have settled down a little bit here recently uh, as uh, we haven't had any roster moves in the last uh, uh, almost a week or so. But uh, it does kind of affect, uh, you know, whether your team in AAA, you know, you have a lot of guys who are kind of learning to play together and they don't really set it, settle in together with the constant churn unless you go through a long stretch like a month or two, you know, without any major moves, which can happen, but uh, it's pretty rare. One guy that has had his fair share of call-ups and send-downs this year is Jared Kelnick, and that's really the the place everybody or the player that everybody looks to when they think of the Rainiers this season in 2022. and. What have you seen from him at the plate at the AAA level that makes you think he'll eventually latch on at the big league level? Because it's been such a struggle for him whenever he's been called up with the Mariners. But but down at AAA, he continues to produce. Yeah, I think uh, I think that what's happening here is it's just a longer process than uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be. He's now getting the year of AAA baseball that he needed, and uh, he's he's improved noticeably during his time in Tacoma. When he first got here, he was striking out all the time. He was chasing pitches outside of the zone with frequency and kind of getting himself out. He stopped doing that. Uh, As we speak, he has struck out one time in his last seven games, uh, 26 at-bats during that time. I mean, that's that's his best run he's had so far in terms of making contact, but uh, you wouldn't imagine that that was even possible if you go back two months ago. Uh, so I, I think it's just a case where, you know, he needed more time and uh, more time to develop. And uh, the situation for the future is, you know, okay, so let's say he's ready uh, to go to the big leagues. You know, he's crushed AAA, which is happening now. But now the Mariners are in contention, and do they really want to, you know, put what is more or less a rookie out there again trying to learn, you know, made, learn to hit in the big leagues? I don't know where the future is going to go for him. 
but uh, it's definitely uh, been fun watching him play here. He's an absolute threat at the plate. He's also really good on defense. And, you know, I think he does have a major league future. I just don't know how or when that's going to happen. Yeah, you mentioned his strikeouts. That's one thing that the Mariners specifically have been sort of emphasizing in his play at the AAA level. Good to hear that that number has gone way down over the last week. Uh, You mentioned that missed 2020 minor league season, and we're now two years removed from that. But how much do you think that that missed year has impacted or is continuing to impact the quality of play at the minor league level? It definitely made a, a big impact in the development of players, especially the the players who were drafted in 2019. You really see it. Uh, they, you know, they they got drafted in 2019 in the summertime, you know, in June or July, whenever the draft was that year. They maybe got two months of uh, pro ball and short season ball uh, in 2019. COVID happens. They don't do anything for a year. And then they come back in 2021 and – they don't have that year of a ball that they would have had under their belt from 2020. And it's just like, it slowed their, their pro their progress. And especially with the hitters, uh, we've seen some pitchers be able to overcome it more quickly. It seems like as we're starting to see a lot of, uh, 2019 high draft picks who are starting pitchers, uh, in the Pacific coast league and in triple a, but for hitters, you just have, we just haven't even really seen many of those guys yet. And, uh, I, I think basically it's, adding a year to everyone's development, especially from that draft class. You know, it's 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 really been tough on them. Mike Curto, voice of the Tacoma Rainiers, joining us here on Extra Innings. And, Mike, two guys at the Major League level that have had a significant impact on this Mariners season have spent time in Tacoma this year, talking about Sam Haggerty and Cal Raleigh. When you look at those two, did you anticipate them having as big of an impact on the Major League team as they have had this season? Because those two have been difference makers at various points in the year, Haggerty as of late, and Raleigh really ever since getting called back up in, in May. What did you see from those guys that, that made you think, you know, something something might be here with those guys? Well, I'll brag for a moment and say that I've been a big fan and believer in Cal Raleigh since he was with the Rainiers uh, in the first uh, two-thirds of the season or so last year. He was just easily the best catcher in the league. He hit for power, and, you know, he he did very well behind the plate. The pitchers liked him, and you could just see that it was going to work out for him, or at least I believed it. And then, you know, it took him a little while in the big leagues to to get his feet under him and to get – get comfortable but it's even tougher for a catcher than anyone else in the major leagues because you don't you're not just worried about your hitting you're also worried about learning a whole major league pitching staff with guys on it who have been in the league for years and you're a rookie you know so uh, it's really tough on catchers to get accustomed to the majors but very very happy for Cal that that he's been able to do this and I think he's going to be a good player for a long time uh, for Haggerty, I figured he'd help out a little bit off the bench, maybe pinch run, you know, just kind of be a, a bit player for the Mariners. And this has been great. It's been a lot of fun watching him actually produce at the plate and hit and be a catalyst for the team when they need it. And uh, no, I did not see this coming, but uh, it's been awesome to watch. It certainly has been each and every day. Sam Haggerty out there, maybe in a different spot. He's been a big contributor as of late. Mike, a couple of guys that are on the Rainiers roster right now, they were optioned, but also kind of rehabbing their way back from injuries to Kyle Lewis and Taylor Trammell, uh, two great personalities, two uh, guys that everybody I think is rooting for in this organization. Uh, what have you seen from them as of late since they have rejoined Tacoma's roster? Yeah, don't really have much for you on Kyle Lewis. He's only played in two games so far, uh, but for Trammell, um, he's kind of in the uh, – 
uh, Kelnick uh, group and that he's another player who needed to cut down his strikeouts and has been doing it. And uh, he, he's really made a lot more contact this go-around with Tacoma. He, he's been a much more effective player than he was uh, with the Rainiers last year. And uh, it, it seems like something's something's clicking for him. And I think that, you know, he's he played well when he was up with Seattle earlier when they needed him because of injuries. And I could see him getting another call this year if they needed and him, you know, being able to to hold down the job if they, if they need him to. So uh, he, he's he's become a very interesting player again, I think. And, you know, he's not he's not that old. I think there's still something there for Trammell and that he could end up having a long major league career. Yeah, that would be certainly a cherry on top of that trade the Mariners made with the San Diego Padres a few years ago, getting him, yeah, sure Munoz, Ty France, Luis Torrens, who's another guy down there at AAA right now. Um, but, yeah, that would be just a tremendous, tremendous trade, even more so than it already has been. Mike, uh, really appreciate you joining us here on Extra Innings this evening. Safe travels to you as you uh, embark on, what, the final month here of the AAA season. Uh, hopefully things can, can go right here for the Rainiers on this road trip. Yeah, it's got a week in Salt Lake City, and uh, the season is winding down. There's just 12 home games left if anyone wants to come out. Uh, the Rainiers are home again on August 30th for a week and then another home stand in late September, and all that info is online at TacomaRainiers.com. Yeah, you're not going to find a better bargain in baseball than, than a Tacoma Rainiers game. I, my family and I, we end up going out to a couple of games per year. So, uh, Mike, really appreciate you joining us here on Extra Innings, and uh, thank you so much. Hey, thanks a lot, Curtis. Really appreciate Mike making some time to join us here on Extra Innings this evening. Let's take a look at some of the homestand highlights for the Mariners. Tuesday is going to be Native American Heritage Night. Gather friends and family as the Mariners celebrate the contributions of Native Americans to our communities across the Pacific Northwest. There will be a special pregame performance by the Puyallup Canoe family and several activities for families in the center field plaza. Also Tuesday, it is Bark in the Park. That section of the stadium is sold out, but there are still tickets available for the September 14th and September 28th Bark at the Park events. For more information or to buy tickets for the last two Bark at the Parks, visit Mariners.com. There's also the Page Ahead Book Drive. The J-Rod Squad ticket special fans can sit in that seating section out in center field at any one of the six upcoming home games. This special includes a main-level ticket and a J-Rod Squad t-shirt for $25. Deadline to purchase tickets and more information about this special can be found at Mariners.com. You've got a Mariners Native American Heritage Night hat giveaway. The first 10,000 fans, 21-plus through the gate, will receive a Mariners hat courtesy of Emerald Queen Casino. And also, it's a Mariners value game. $10 view level and bleacher tickets, $20 main level, $30 terrace level tickets. Make sure that you were checking that out at mariners.com slash value. What a deal. Wherever you look on Tuesday night, make sure you're heading out to the ballpark. There is something for everybody there. But when we return on Extra Innings, our Mariners insider Shane Andreer joined Mike Salk earlier today on Seattle Sports Station. We'll take a peek at what they had to say to – we'll take a listen to what they had to say this morning, especially after that really – Tough road trip for the Mariners. More to come on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. An up and down road trip for the Mariners, five and four, but they do lose two of the three series. What do you even make of it? Because that has been the question on everybody's mind 
over the last 24 hours or so, more than 24 hours now, almost 36 hours since the Mariners fell in their series to the A's, dropping two of three to them, but they finished five and four on the road trip. Well, they get an opportunity to win some ball games here at home against the Washington Nationals starting tomorrow night at T-Mobile Park, which, by the way, make sure you're heading out there for sure to catch some some good baseball or to just get out of get out in this weather. Who knows how much longer this weather's going to last around here in Seattle. But Mariners insider Shane Dreyer was kind enough to join Mike Salk earlier this morning. You can catch the full conversation at seattlesports.com. Make sure you download the podcast as well. But Shannon had a very interesting way of looking at this road trip. Shannon herself was equally perplexed by how this road trip went for the Mariners and what is it that's holding them back right now from stringing together lots of wins in the season's second half? Well, Shannon answers that question and plenty more with Mike Salk. It's kind of interesting, and it's funny because I started with one thought about it at the beginning of the trip, and then they hit Anaheim, and everything looked pretty good there, and then they kind of came full circle in Oakland. And I think the easy thing, if you look at what's going on, is – They haven't been hitting quite as well the last two weeks. Some of them have, but some key players have not. And also the defense has not been as clean as it's been. But one of the things that I was concerned about is we we made so much of what the schedule was coming up. And I was wondering if there's a downside to that. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if there is, um, I think that things look flat in Texas. If, If you go into a ballpark and there isn't a big crowd, if your competition, you don't see the big names on the jerseys and and whatnot. If there is something to that, and I don't know if there is, but I think you certainly feel it in the stadiums. And I think that this is a team, a lot of people will say they play down to their competition. I'd say they play up to it, especially when they've got a, a big name pitcher on the other side. So I think a lot of things kind of collided. And it was interesting in talking with Ty France last night, and he's usually pretty upfront and honest with everything. And he just kind of dropped in there that, uh, yeah, you know, I think we're trying a little too hard right now. Mm. And afterwards I circled back and he said, yeah, these games mean a lot. And uh, I think we just need to be ourselves out there a little bit more and we know this team plays better when they're loose so i think a lot of factors come into play you know it's interesting uh, you know you said that he's a pretty open honest guy and i believe that i also don't believe him that his wrist is healthy i, I, I know just, you don't i it's don't even Felix come close to believing it, it. Huh? <laughs> it's like the felix situation all over again of course you're not gonna believe that <laughs> i don't i don't believe it at all i mean a, a guy who's been one of the best hitters we've seen has had two slumps in his career. The first came after he hurt his wrist, and that was the issue. The second also came after he hurt his wrist, but we're told it's not the issue. Like, I just don't believe that. The only thing that I would say, and I would say you point at the numbers, and yeah, you look at it, and something must be wrong because Ty France always hits. And I think one of the most shocking numbers that you can look at is he has one extra base hit this month. And we actually saw that, however, earlier this season Mm -hmm. where he had a long stretch, and it was before there were any wrist issues. But the thing is, you know, I'm in that clubhouse before games every day, and I have yet to see him with any kind of treatment on that. And you know when you're in a clubhouse, if somebody's got anything, they're wearing ice, they're wearing heat, they're wearing the STEM machines. You see something. We haven't seen that with Ty. So is it possible? Yes, but we just we have not seen any kind of evidence of it. What do you think is going on with Logan Gilbert? I uh, 
I think there is something to that, you know, perhaps he needs a little bit of a break. He's definitely up there in the innings right now. Um, I think some of the changes that he made that we were so excited about with his secondary pitches earlier in the season and when he won pitcher of the month, I think a lot of that was, yes, his stuff looked very good back then, but it was also April and sometimes hitters are still rounding into shape in that month. And so I think maybe our expectations of what he was were a little skewed by what we saw in that month. Um, but I, I do think that he is in that innings territory where, you know, when you look at it and they insist that the stuff is there, well, the command isn't quite there. And that's something that can be a little bit of fatigue, you know, from what I've seen in the past. So I think there could be some of that. Um, I, I think sometimes his mix, I sometimes kind of question that maybe should be using the curveball a little bit more. And especially when you get later in the season and some of these teams have seen you quite a bit more. But I kind of think like with what the team is going through right now, I think it's kind of a collection of a lot of things. I think that picture that we did see in April is largely there. Uh, Scott Service talks about how they saw this last year with him where he kind of slumped a little before the end and then got a second wind. And that's where he thinks he's at. Uh, But I think we've kind of seen the same performance for about a month right now. Yeah, it, you know, it's an interesting one. Uh, it makes me wonder whether or not, look, they've got Chris Flexen, who's barely pitched since going to the bullpen and sort of used in mop-up duty the other day with the big lead. Like, I, is there is there room to run Flexen out for a start or two and try to give Logan Gilbert a break? See, I don't know why you wouldn't do that, especially right. with the schedule that you have right now. You know, see if it works. If it doesn't work, is it going to hurt? No, I don't think so. I'm sure he would stay within his routine And that's the other thing. I've talked about it so many times. He's somebody that works like a madman in between starts. And I've heard a couple of mentions, even from him, which I'm sure came from them, that he's looking to balance the work that he does at this point of the season, that you don't want to do too much in between, and that could contribute to the fatigue. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. I wrote a little bit about this on seattlesports.com just yesterday and how they are handling the young pitchers, and Logan is a young pitcher, and they've kind of gone around in circles a little bit. You know, they'll be talking about, well, you know, we'll have, we're going to watch the innings with George in particular. And we saw what they did at the all-star break and they sent him down for 17 days and he made one, two inning start. Uh, they very much believe in pitching through the length of season and making every turn. They talked about that with Kikuchi a couple of years, mm-hmm. even if it's just a two inning start, we want to do that. And, uh, you know, rather than pull back or skip starts or go with six in the rotation, they've decided they want to watch these guys carefully. Uh, So I would guess that they are open to if they do see something that they don't like, then they have that six starter. So why not give them that break? Hey, Shannon, um, all of a sudden they're they're. Triple-A ball club has some guys on it that have been in the major leagues recently and have even had some level of success. Do you think the roster we see right now at the big league level is what we'll see the rest of the way? Or do you think that there is room for any of those guys to help in, in the next couple of weeks? Probably not, other than the September call-ups or if there's an injury. I think, and this is making me appreciate what Cal Raleigh in particular has done in that you see the guys you know, immediately go down to AAA and have success. And we talked about this early in the year when Kelnick was struggling. There's a big divide mm-hmm. between the minor league pitching and the major league pitching. So that, and I think that's just illustrating it even more. Uh, I think it's good that they're getting the work down there if there is some, some need at the big league level. And I think it's certainly good for confidence if you've struggled 
for a long time at the minor league level and then you're sent down. But uh, I think it's indicative of what we are seeing in the pitching. The minor league season runs a little bit more parallel to the big league season, or at least AAA does now. So, you know, there's not going to be a need to bring somebody up because there's nowhere else to play. The one person that I would keep an eye on and somebody I would not mind seeing at all is Taylor Trammell. Uh, I think there's, um, you know, value to have him, having him play every day coming off the injury and getting those at bats and, and getting back into it. But I, I think a defensive outfielder on this team would be helpful. And uh, I think that that's per- perhaps one place where you could go. Certainly worth monitoring, and I think Tramel would be a welcome addition to this Mariners lineup right now, a lineup that has had troubles with consistently producing offense. And as we heard from Mike Curdo in the previous segment at 8 o'clock, Tramel has been producing ever since being activated off the injured list, uh, ever since completing his rehab assignment. He's now been optioned to AAA Tacoma. Maybe that is somebody that can help during the stretch run because you look at Tramel's numbers uh, during his time up with the Mariners, which was brief, before he suffered that hamstring injury or re-aggravated it, uh, he had what a two thirty-five batting average, three twenty-three on base, a seven seventy-nine OPS, hit three home runs, eleven walks, twenty-four strikeouts. He'd really been cutting down on the strikeouts. He had really produced well offensively. His WAR with the team, according to Baseball Reference, just in the thirty-two games that he played with the team this season is at point six. So, I mean, he was very productive in the short amount of time that he spent on the major league roster. And you look at those numbers, especially that 779 OPS, which shows that, you know, even though the low batting average, the the hits that he is making or the hits that he is getting are, are those of the extra base variety. He had nine doubles, three home runs, uh, 12 of his 19 hits were for extra bases. So, Maybe Trammell is somebody that can really help out down the stretch. He certainly was a big lift in the middle part of this season when so many guys were on the injured list, when it was Mitch Haniger, when it was Julio, when it was all those guys. Trammell's bat was in the lineup and was producing. So keep an eye out for him over the next couple of weeks, especially as the expanded rosters come your way in the month of September. What's coming your way next here on Extra Innings? It is a visit with our very own Gary Hill. Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network. He joins me as we take a look at this upcoming homestand for the Mariners. We reminisce about each row and also get to the bottom of what we saw over the course of this road trip. More to come on Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. He is one of the voices of Mariners Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Gary Hill Jr., an absolute must-follow. If you're a Mariners fan and he joins me right now on Extra Innings on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, Gary, how you doing today? Curtis, I'm great. How are you? Doing good, doing good. I I would be feeling a little bit better, I think, though, had the Mariners taking care of business in Oakland this weekend. I mean, two very winnable games on Saturday and Sunday. It was a weird road trip. They finished with a winning record, 5-4, and four, but they lose two of the three series. I don't really know how that works out. What do you make of the road trip that we just saw the Mariners take? You know, it was a disappointing finish. Uh, the way I thought about the trip is, and the way, really, I think about the rest of the season, is just win series. That's what you want to do the rest of the way. If you continue to win series at a good clip, you'll be just fine. So going into the trip, I thought the goal uh, was 6-3, and three, which would be just win a series every time. Now they dropped the Texas series. They made up for it by sweeping the Angels, which is great. Offense exploded. That was great to see. What 
would have completed the goal was winning the last two games against Oakland, which they didn't do. So in my mind, the goal not completed was a disaster by any means. You're above 500, so a game uh, behind the goal. But it was kind of a weird trip, especially with the way it ended. Uh, just they just didn't have the offense in the last couple of games against Oakland. That's what it comes down to. It kind of exploded against the Angels. You were hoping that would carry over against the A's. But part of it is that's what happens in baseball. Remember Houston just a few weeks ago went to Oakland and were swept. It's just it's bizarre how things like that can happen. It happened to the Mariners. Uh, much need day off today. So hopefully they'll get right back on the horse against Washington, a team that you're hoping they can handle because Cleveland – that's going to be a tough uh, four-game series coming up this weekend. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you just look at the Mariners' schedule following that Cleveland series, too. The three against Detroit, which you would hope goes in the Mariners' favor. Detroit's not any good this season. But then you face Cleveland again. You've got the White Sox, the Braves, the Padres. It really ramps up after this weekend to where you got to bank as many wins as possible prior to that Cleveland series. you got two really good opportunities against Washington over the next couple of days. Gary, you look at this Mariners pitching staff. Uh, Logan Gilbert on Saturday looked really good through the first four innings of this game, but in that fifth inning got away from him. Defensively also there were the errors from Frazier and Jake Lamb misplaying balls out there in right field. What did you make of his start against Oakland on Saturday? I thought his start was really good, and I think you pointed the biggest problem, pointed to the biggest problem in that start. I thought the defense really let him down in that hitting. And, you know, it's we're watching Gilbert obviously very closely because he's in uncharted waters here. He and Kirby kind of in the same boat. But I thought he pitched really well. I think that's a start that you take in each and every time. And the stuff has been fine. Uh, the stuff has been really good. He's had a, such an interesting season, too, when you kind of dig below the surface. He has all the talent in the world, and he's overall had an excellent season. He's had times where he's gotten hit pretty hard, but, um, yeah, I thought the, the start against Oakland was just fine. I, I think you feel good about him moving forward. Uh, but the defense is key, and it's a key for this team. They, they, have, to, they have to be good defensively, and especially with – you know, the offense has had ebbs and flows, right? I think you feel really good about where the rotation is. You feel really good about the bullpen. But you just you can't have innings where you have mistakes uh, against any ma- major league team. Any major league team will punish you. And the Mariners got punished for their mistakes in that game. So moving forward, they, they, they're a good defensive team. I think they're a top-10 defensive team in baseball. They've been better, I think, than I expected this year, especially – uh, defense in the outfield, and I think Julio's been a big part of that. I think going back to the beginning of the season, I don't think we were sure exactly what to expect, but he's been really good in center field. So overall, they've been good defensively. I think top 10, which is great. I mean, that's where you want to be. But they just can't have – right now they just can't survive innings where they make multiple mistakes. Gary, we're – one quarter left of this regular season, 40 games remaining. And if you were in charge of setting the Mariners' playoff rotation, which, I mean, obviously it's a little presumptuous of me to think that we've clinched a playoff spot here already, but if you were in charge, if Scott Service said, Gary, I need you to put your, your headphones down for just one second, I, you are in charge of setting our playoff starting rotation. 
I feel like Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray probably two solid bets to be in that rotation. But who's your third guy? Because George Kirby has looked really good over the last month, and we saw them sort of loosen up his leash a little bit in his last start. Uh, Logan Gilbert looked better, as we talked about on Saturday, but who gets that third spot? Well, my first response would be, Scott, it's about time. Thank you for asking me to <laughs> for this responsibility because I've been waiting for this, and I'm ready. So a theoretical it's – a, it's a really good question, and here's how I kind of think about it. Uh, you're right, I, the first two Castillo array. And if you think about this in like – let's say – let's play this out theoretically. Let's say the Mariners are playing the Blue Jays in the first round, whether in Toronto or in Seattle. Uh, hopefully Seattle, which is why you want to get the first wild card and why that's so important. But how I think about a game three, because that would be the deciding game. Uh, it would be whoever's the hot hand at the moment. I would probably go Logan Gilbert right now, but I also, given the bullpen, man, I would go, I would not hesitate to go to the bullpen nearly instantly in a deciding ball game like that, especially with the kind of quality and depth that you have in the bullpen. So I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but that's how I would think about a third game, especially in the scenario that we're talking about being a deciding game. I would roll with Logan Gilbert, see how it goes, and I would not hesitate to go to a bullpen because that's a real strength of the team. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the bullpen, uh, There, are, there's one guy who can throw multiple innings in Matt Brash. There may be another on the way in Matt Boyd who could also get you multiple innings. He's been a starting pitcher at some point in his career. It kind of feels like Boyd will will have at least some presence on the Major League roster at some point over the season's final month here. Um, but do you think that those kind of moves were made with this in mind of, of like, hey, you know, in the playoffs, you cannot afford to let a game get away from you. Really, at any point in the you know, in the final week of the regular season, you can't afford to have a game get away from you. We saw them last year throw what was it, Tyler Anderson on short rest. Uh, mm-hmm. You saw them skip. You say Kikuchi start in the rotation. It, it kind of feels like with with that in mind, these guys will, will probably be relied upon heavily. I think so, and. It's funny when you look at the bullpen right now, and it's a reason why Ken Giles isn't up with the team, and he just signed a minor league deal with the Giants, is there's no room. They're as deep as they've ever been in the bullpen, and it's trustworthy up and down. Like you feel good about everyone in the bullpen in big spots, and you think about just one game. I mean, you've got seven guys that you could roll out in a game they could each take an inning and you would get seven innings of bullpen work and you would feel great about one after another and that's not i mean you could throw a couple of this multiple innings obviously but uh given what we've seen at the back end seawald and muñoz have been unbelievable especially muñoz he along with edwin diaz since the middle of june have been the two best relievers in major league baseball i do not say that lightly there's a lot of great relievers in baseball but you look at the strikeout rates and everything else, it is obscene what Munoz is doing. Since he has gone to the harder slider, he has been utterly absurd and untouchable. And you still have Seawald at the back, you know, Castile, Swanson, Murphy, Festa, you trust all of them as well. And Brash has moved into that mix as well. They can really make a game very short, very quickly, especially in a playoff scenario where some of the games get spaced out. You get on, you get days off, 
you know, automatically in playoff series, that's why I think facing this team would be no fun at all if this bullpen is healthy and pitching the way we've seen them pitch recently. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, you bring up a great point. In years past, we've seen how much a bullpen can give a lift to a team in the postseason. The most recent example that comes to mind is kind of like the 2015 Royals where you had yeah. Kelvin Herrera and you had Wade Davis, Greg Holland, those three guys. Once it got to about the sixth or seventh inning, you knew the game was over at that point. I mean, the Mariners right now, they haven't blown a lead after having a lead in the eighth inning this season. So it kind of feels like the game is well in hand once you get it over to the bullpen. Gary, a big weekend, though, coming up at T-Mobile Park. It's Ichiro Mariners Hall of Fame weekend. This may be an impossible question to answer, but you have have followed Ichiro his entire career in the, with the Mariners organization, whether it be as a fan, whether it be as a member of the Mariners radio broadcast. Is there any moment of his in his career that stands out above the rest? Oh, that is a tough question. <laughs> there, I mean, there's so many, right? Although I will say, I think the one that leaps out to me was the game-winning homer against Mariano oh, Rivera. Yeah. Swung on and Dalton! Deep to right field! The unbelievable has happened! Fly! Fly! Fly away! My, oh my, the Mariners have won it! The Mariners have won it by a score of 3-2! For some reason, that's that's one of the ones that just jump out right away because it, it was the best against the best. Mariano, the greatest closer of all time. That was just one of those moments that was so spectacular. Uh, you know, and it's funny about when I think about Ichiro, you know, it's not just, you know, the great moments. You can talk about the throw from right field against Terrence Long. But what I marvel at looking back is just the consistency of Ichiro. He played every single day he was in the lineup every day it seemed like he would give you two or three hits every single day he would play great in right field every single day I guess that's the thing that when I look back on his career as a Mariner that I had just I'm amazed at because this game is such a grind it is so hard and it's so hard to play every day at such a high level yet there he was day in and day out he would play 161 162 every single year and it felt like you could count on, you know, he's going to hit 320-ish, you know, sometimes much more. I mean, 372 in one season. Jeez. But it felt like you just knew exactly what you were going to get every single day. And that is a tremendous skill, uh, especially at such a high level. Yeah, you just don't see that. I, I look at his career numbers, and I view him as the all-time hit king. Uh, across baseball. Obviously, his numbers in Japan are, are staggering. And then he came over here. I think he finished with more hits than Pete Rose had in his major league career. And I was reading, a, a, I think it was on The Ringer, where they were trying to gauge who was going to be the next 3,000 hit member. Mm. And there was nobody even close. I think Manny Machado is probably on the best trajectory for that. Um, but they said, you know, his numbers have not been close to what they were at the beginning of his career. He's not getting the 200 hit seasons that he was at the beginning of the year. So I wonder, like, is 4,000 hits just an unattainable number in today's game? Oh, yeah, because when you think about when you think about 3,000, it's you've got to start young, right? And you've got to have you've got to put together so many years 
of putting up those numbers so consistently. And even the young, great players that we've seen, like Juan Soto got his career rolling early, right? But he walks so much that it's even hard to project. And there's so much unknown, right, with a, a player that young. Like, so it's, it's hard to even project a player that young to put them in that category. So, well, yeah, I think we'll see it again. But there's so much that has to go right, especially this day and age where, frankly, pitching is just so dominant. It's just hard to put together seasons like Ichiro put together, just in terms of raw numbers, the raw amount of hits that he put together. It's just it's really hard to do right now. It really is. Uh, Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network, kind enough to join us here on Extra Innings. Gary, really appreciate you stopping by, and I'll tell Matt Nelson you said hi. Oh, yes. Tell Matt Nelson and tell him I can't wait. I know he uh, he's really looking forward to the next couple of days in the series against Cleveland. So I'm sorry that there was uh, a Mariners off day today for him. I felt really bad about uh, that. But Mariners yeah. baseball is coming back, so let him know. You talk about guys showing up every day. We mentioned Etro, Matt Nelson top of that list as well we've got one segment to go here on extra innings you know how we ended with a round of pepper looking at some of the biggest headlines and stories in major league baseball from this past week more to come on extra innings i'm curtis rogers you're listening to seattle sports station and the mariners radio network you're listening to extra innings inside the mariners on the home of the mariners seattle sports station really appreciate you making extra innings a part of your monday night as always, make sure you're downloading the podcast at seattlesports.com or on the Seattle Sports app. I'm Curtis Rogers. Let's get into some pepper, looking at some of the biggest headlines in baseball over the course of the last week or the, some of the biggest headlines we're looking forward to over the next week. How about the pursuit of 700 career home runs from Albert Pujols? He is at 692, had a big week, hit two on Saturday to get to 692 against Arizona. Baseball Reference has his current odds at 7.1% of accomplishing the feat in 2022. Now, you look at the list of home run leaders in Major League Baseball history. You've got, obviously, Bonds, Aaron, Ruth, and then you've got Alex Rodriguez at 696. Well, Pujols suffered the same fate as, as Alex Rodriguez. Now, Pujols has said he will not play after this season. So this is his final season. He's eight home runs away from 700. I really hope he gets there because having him in the 700 home run club would be just incredible. And obviously the the career that he has had as one of the game's very best first baseman, one of the best first basemen of all time. In fact, there was a point in his career, I would say pre-LA Angels, where he was definitely on pace to be the greatest right-handed hitter of all time. Now, that unfortunately didn't come to fruition as his career in the Angels just never was able to match what he did in St. Louis. But 700 home runs, it feels like that's befitting of someone of Albert Pujols' stature. Now, baseball reference has those current odds at 7.1%. He needs eight more over the season's final quarter. Now... That seems like a lot, but get this, since July 10th, Albert Pujols, at age 42, leads Major League Baseball in batting average at 403, OPS at 1289, and is 8th in home runs with 8. Albert Pujols has been hitting like 25-year-old Albert Pujols over the last month, which is, I think, a great thing because you're now having a serious pursuit of baseball history. 
I think if he can get to 700, I mean, that is going to be such a special moment. The fact that he's doing all this in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform, the, the uniform that he wore that we all associate him with. It's like when Griffey returned to the Mariners back in 2009, obviously 2010 Mar- 2010 Griffey and 2010 Mariners. We don't like to talk about that. That didn't happen. But it's great to see Pujols be able to accomplish all this in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform, be able to help out and, and be a, a positive contributor on a team that is is definitely making a charge for the postseason in the National League. It's not some charity award that Albert Pujols is getting right now. It's not some lifetime achievement award. He's actually been a positive contributor. His OPS is 863 on base, 348, a 515 slugging percentage. He's looked really, really good in a Cardinals uniform. Now, speaking of a guy who left the Cardinals around the same time Pujols did, that would be his former manager, Tony La Russa, who's now with the Chicago White Sox, and I just I am baffled at his continued employment in Major League Baseball. This is somebody where the game has clearly passed them by. He is outthinking the room at pretty much all opportunities. Now, we saw him earlier this season intentionally walk or was it Trey Turner of the Dodgers to get to Max Muncy on a two-strike count with two outs in an inning? That came back to bite him as Muncy deposited one of the seats at Guaranteed Rate Park in, in Chicago to hit a three-run home run. Now, he did it again earlier this, uh, later on in the season on a two-strike count with two outs. He wouldn't do it a third time, would he? Well, he did. On Saturday night, Tony LaRusso did it again. He intentionally walked a Guardians batter on a 1-2 count with two outs. White Sox were trailing 5-2 at the at that time. Jake Diekman on the mound. Uh, they did not get any more runs in the inning. But what are you doing intentionally walking somebody with two outs and two strikes? Like, I get the two out intentionally walk. Sometimes you just you want to face the matchup that's more favorable. But the two strikes, you are one strike away from getting out of the inning. The third time he has done this this season, the the first time is a fireable offense. The second time, he should no longer be allowed to manage any team in baseball. A third time, it's it's performance art at that point. Are are we in on the joke? Is Tony Larusa in on the joke? Is he? This feels like a Nathan for you skit. Great show, by the way, on Comedy Central. I have not seen the rehearsal on HBO. Text into the Mac and Jack's text line 710-710. If, like, what is Tony La Russa doing at the helm of the White Sox? I kind of wish that they were closer to the Mariners in that wild card race because I would feel super confident going up against them knowing that you just feel like you've got a, a leg up on them just knowing how they're going to be managed throughout the course of a game. Also in baseball, the Baltimore Orioles have 63 wins on the season. With that win, they surpassed their Vegas over-under win total from the from preseason, from spring training, of 62.5. With that 63rd win, they are the fourth fastest team in Major League Baseball history to hit the over as quickly as they did. The, the fastest team to ever do it. Not a surprise, the 2001 Mariners. And it's not that they had a low win total that year. It's that they just were absurd in how much they won that season. The 2006 Tigers, which ended up in the World Series that year. And then the 2010 San Diego Padres, they also surpassed their win total. I think they were projected to be just god-awful that year. And they weren't terrible. So 
Uh, shout out to the Orioles having a, an incredible season. You hope that the AL East kind of eats themselves alive and they aren't getting hot here, uh, especially at the expense of teams like the Mariners, who are ahead of Baltimore in that American League wildcard race. You just kind of want to keep them at bay. You want to make sure that, yeah, they're, they're winning, they're, they're having a cute time, but you don't want them to gain any more ground on you. So hopefully the Yankees and teams like that can can hold up their end of the bargain because it is not looking good. Uh, or it, it's, it's a little worrisome, I would say, with how good the Orioles have been over the last couple months. And then speaking of the American League's really cool observation made uh, the Tampa Bay Rays lineup yesterday on Sunday is the first in Major League Baseball history to have eight different nationalities in the same starting lineup. You have the United States, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Colombia, Venezuela, Mexico, Panama, and Taiwan. They were one away from a full nine, a full starting nine of different nationalities. I believe there were two players from the Dominican Republic, which means they could have, I believe, uh, G-Man Choi is on their bench, so they could have had somebody from South Korea in that na- in that starting lineup, which would have been all different nationalities of the starting nine. Baseball, it's a global game. You gotta love it. World Baseball Classic, by the way, coming up. Next spring, you wonder how that's going to impact spring training. Mark DeRosa, MLB network analyst named manager of Team USA. Team USA looking to repeat as champions. I know John Morosi, baseball insider, who joins Wyman and Bob every week. He is through the roof excited for that. Really appreciate it. Once again, this has been Extra Innings. We are coming back next Monday as the Mariners have another day off. More like every week there is more and more important baseball we are in the season's final quarter i am super excited for the shows that we have got in store as the mariners look to make a a run in this american league wildcard chase i'm curtis rogers that's going to do it for me really appreciate you tuning in this has been extra innings on seattle sports station and the mariners radio network